So I'd like to offer some reflections with regard to the practice we're engaged in. And I just uh, invite you to sit for this period, if that's okay. Be very welcome to stand at some point a little further along. As we enter more and more deeply into the retreat, we have the opportunity to settle and to really begin to savor what it means to be here. Some years ago, I was visiting a friend and He came to me as I knocked on his door quite excited. He said, look, look what I've got. He had a box of chocolates. I probably shouldn't talk about chocolates because you're here on retreat and you haven't got any. But uh, he said, look. And it was a box of chocolates and it had on the back it said, instructions. And this was fascinating because, you know, we didn't think we needed instructions. You know, most of us would imagine we know what to do here. It was a good quality box of chocolates. And it said, these finest Belgian praline chocolates have been handcrafted for your delight and exquisite satisfaction. Please follow the instructions. Turn off the television. Put away your magazines and newspapers. Sit down somewhere comfortable by yourself or with a friend. Open the box. Take a moment to gaze upon the shapes. Take a moment to smell the aroma. Choose one. Place it upon your tongue. Don't chew. Wait a moment until the chocolate begins to melt in the warmth of your mouth. Then slowly chew and taste and smell. Don't swallow too quickly. Wait until the molten chocolate starts to trickle down the back of your throat. And if you wish, take another. My friend and I, both uh, practitioners for some years, immediately delighting in this, realizing this is meditation instructions for eating chocolate, and followed it. Really? carefully. And you know, as we sat down and as we were, you know, yes, we probably did take another. And I can't remember whether my friend said to me or me to him, but I remember really clearly one of us said, you know, you never really stop and taste the chocolate. And so there's this invitation we have here to let ourselves taste the the experiences that are coming to us. We don't need to go looking for something out of a box. Of course, not all of the flavors are that which we would choose. Sometimes we get the orange cream. But apparently other people like orange creams because that's why they're in the box. But what is it to have that sense of really having put down 
whatever else there might be of our lives, just for a little while in order to fully receive what's right here, immediate, available. And a little unknown, just as what's exactly inside that chocolate, we don't know. I once had chocolates with all kinds of strange herbs in them. I didn't like them at all. Looked like a good idea. As far as I was concerned, tasted horrible. We don't always get to choose the flavors. But the very process of connecting with the experience is important. So just as we've spoken about the importance of really turning towards an opening into those places that are difficult for us, that are not easy, we might find challenging. Equally important is our willingness and our capacity to really receive and allow ourselves to experience fully those moments that maybe are sweet those moments where we connect and feel present, awake and alive, touched by and in contact with intimately what's happening, without trying to take hold of them, but nor holding back from them for fear of taking hold of them. And as we do so, there's a richness and a texture that becomes possible for us, perhaps just occasionally, perhaps only in moments, but over time, just perhaps a little more, and a little more available to us, that comes to us through the quality of the attention that we're giving to the experience that is not dependent upon the experience itself. And as we start to discover this, then all moments and all experiences become a rich offering and opportunity for us to receive, to connect, to deepen in this capacity to touch and be touched by our life and by each moment, by each breath, by the very sensations of our body, and equally by the range and realm of experience that occurs. And we've been giving some considerable attention over these days to the, the gathering, the collecting, the focusing, the, the process of drawing in the, the sometimes fragmented, dissipated, or distracted energies of heart and mind, allowing them to pull, to gather, through our constant willingness to come back, to attend, to settle with experience, directing and sustaining our attention into the object that we've chosen, the body, the breathing, or what it is that you've found useful to steady and stabilize heart and mind in relationship to. Continuing to work in this way, to practice in this way, but noticing if there's some way we leave or have a sense of what is not included, as if it's somehow other or out 
of the range of experience, not that we are willing to meet. An area that's really important and useful to include is the field of hearing, of sound, of what arises at the door we call the ear, the ear door. And sometimes we can think of sounds as distractions. We imagine we want complete silence. And yet, complete silence is not actually what we find, and it's not what we need. Some reduction in the intensity levels is supportive for the quieting process that we're engaged in. But sound is simply experience arising. Just taking a moment to notice how, even with our attention rooted in the body, we can hear sounds, my voice, the heating system, somebody moving, perhaps a cough or a sneeze nearby. someone scratching. Sounds arise. We may notice that as all experiences, sometimes they're pleasant, pleasurable, enjoyable. The sound of a songbird outside the window may be so sweet for us. Call it music to our ears when we enjoy the sound. If we don't find it pleasurable, we often call it noise. We imagine it shouldn't be here. It's distracting, it's annoying, it's irritating. But in fact, it's simply an unpleasant sound. Noticing sound and the way it emerges from the silence. The way it returns to the silence. We can feel the resonance in the body of our response to that sound. One vibration in the air evokes a perhaps more subtle vibration in the body if we find it pleasurable, perhaps a little trill or thrill, if we find it displeasurable, perhaps a a tightening or a hardening. And so easily we move from the experience to the story, oh, the songbird, oh, oh, how lovely. If it would only keep singing, then my meditation would be great. And then a moment later, it's, oh, I remember, I heard a songbird like that once when I was walking with my teenage sweetheart. And oh, then in a moment, we're lost in a reverie and a story about how lovely that was. And then we remember how it ended, and we're no longer enjoying the story. We're actually, oh my gosh, that was tragic, wasn't it? But we haven't heard, oh, that's a sound. And then there was a pleasant component which attracted us to it. And an association, initially pleasant, and then not so. We don't need to track everything there, but notice how we tend to get pulled out without judging, without rejecting, but just clearly disengaging from that. Coming back into the body, noticing what resonances may be felt, what may be sensed, what may be there. And equally a sound that we think, oh, I wish that noise wasn't happening. You know, How can they make a meditation retreat center with a meditation hall and the the heating is audible? Shouldn't it be silent? You know, surely, and we start designing the system that will be silent. Just notice, it's a sound. 
vibrations in the eardrum. We can simply be with the experience. And we notice that all sounds tend towards silence. It's their nature. They emerge from it. We could simply, we could understand them perhaps as simply silence with form. Texture expressing itself within the relative uniformity of the background vibration we call silence. Coming back to this body breathing, sitting here upright and at ease, we can see many experiences arising. And we'll speak more about further realms of that experience in the coming days. But for now, to notice if there's a way we create obstacles or see as somehow unwelcome or problematic the experiences that we encounter. Can we simply notice what comes as it comes? Notice that it too goes. It moves, it changes. All experience is subject to this. Sounds arise and pass. This breath flows in. And the in-breathing comes to an end before the out-breathing begins. The out-breathing completes and often here a more noticeable pause. It's ended. And then, if we just pause there a little while, we might notice at some point the breath comes in again. If it doesn't, we might not notice that. But mostly it seems to. Being aware of the changing nature of experience. One moment it's pleasant. One moment it's unpleasant. Another moment it's somewhere in between. Sensing the difference between the experience itself and the quality hedonic tone. Feeling tones, another translation for Vedana sense of how it feels for us. Just noticing how that's a component, slightly different than the actual sensation or experience of sound or whatever it is we're in contact with. And finding a balance between a degree of precision and very specific attention to what you have chosen. A deepening relationship of sustaining this gathered, focused, and stabilizing attentiveness that we're cultivating. Particularly important to gather in this way if we feel scattered, or reactive, or not very focused. But at times we find naturally as a result of the process we're engaged in, almost despite ourselves it would seem sometimes, there is a settling. We feel more gathered. And in that we have a choice. We can continue to sustain the attention 
within the primary field of this body, the sitting, body, breathing experience. Or we can just allow it to be a bit more open, to allow the sounds that come and go. To notice what the tonalities are. The quality of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. To be aware that there may be tendencies showing in the mind of movement in certain directions, particular atmospheres in the mind, particular storylines in the thinking process. Just acknowledging them. If, if, excuse me, if there feels to be anything particularly sticky or compelling, can be useful to just notice it, to name it. We don't need to go into it. Either particularly attractive or particularly difficult. But if it feels compelling, asking again, what does that feel like in the body when this is going on? So we use it to refer back, or we refer the experience back. We're not pushing it away. We're not rejecting it. We're not avoiding it in fear of becoming lost in the experience. But we're finding that dimension or element of the experience which is resonant, which can be felt in the body. Because the mind and body are so closely connected, related, and influencing each other, this heart, mind, and body. Ultimately, we can't separate out in any absolute way what's happening within this field of experience. And finding the way of attending that allows for a settling and a clarifying. And at the same time, bringing a sense of interest, of curiosity. Not an intellectual curiosity of trying to figure it out, trying to analyze it or interpret it, but just that sense of openness that naturally comes when we have the humility and the honesty to acknowledge that we don't yet know all there is to know about this, about this breath, about this sensation, about this sound, about how this particular feeling tone plays out in my experience. And so that quality of interest takes us more closely, brings us, invites us, calls us to become more intimate with what's happening both the particulars of the experience and equally the sense of this capacity to know, to feel, to sense, to be with in a conscious, embodied way. Just here, just now, just this, whatever it is that's here, is all we need for our practice, for our life, in its deepening, in its unfolding. And if we're ever unsure, if there's a little too much happening, what to attend to, and we're unclear or confused, simplify it. Come back to the body, sitting, breathing. Just settle with that again. And so, if you wish to be standing, you're welcome to be standing. And equally, to be sitting. Consciously connecting with the body, 
in the sense of posture, feeling into the quality of uprightness, the sense of contact with the earth through feet or bottom. That intentionality expressed as alertness in the body and as an interest in our attentiveness. Together with a relaxation, a softening of habitual patterns we might hold of tension in the body, allowing them to relax as far as they can without forcing. And that together with a, an openness of heart and mind to receive what comes, even if unexpected or unwished for. But just being open to this that is here right now, bringing a kindly, caring, interested attentiveness to this body breathing, to this life revealing itself as one experience flows into the next, as one moment dissolves, revealing the next. (laughs) And just for now, not needing to be concerned with anything else, what has gone before, we can let it go. What is yet to come, we don't need to plan for it or anticipate it. Just right here, just right now, this is our life revealing itself. just as it is. Not holding on, not resisting. But intimately engaged. human being awake on this earth beneath the sky just as you are
when the bell sounds. Just listening, fully present with this experience as it sustains, arises, sustains, and fades away into the silence. And when the sound is gone, faded, dissolved into silence, taking this as the sign that the formal sitting period has completed, staying present through that and to that point, and perhaps even beyond. Noticing what it's like, even as we adjust our posture and bring ease to the body, to be close with that experience too. So we, as we move or shift, that doesn't mean we are somehow leaving or need to leave where we are. And as we go through the day, through the walking, the standing, the sitting, Perhaps we start to notice that we have the capacity now, more capable, more able to stay with and sustain through the different phases and experiences of the day. So although the formal shape of the body might change from sitting to walking, that the the thread of the practice does not need to. The intentionality, the presence, the sensitivity can be brought to bear. As we get up and move to where our walking place might be or to the group meeting we may have or to do our work, our yogi job, our working meditation, including all of this too. As we go through the day, noticing those times and we might tend to take a little bit of a what we call a vipassana holiday. Like, I've done enough of that mindfulness, I'm having a break. I think I'll just have my lunch quite mindlessly. And sometimes we kind of decide to do that. It's not just that we even consent, we intend it. 
seeing what it might be to to sustain your intentionality going into the time of the meal. Have you noticed that the sound of the bell at when is it? 12 o'clock? That bell, it sounds rather different than the bell at 5.30. Have you noticed that? The response to the sound, it's just somehow, it's completely different. Or maybe not for you, but for me it can be. 5.30 a.m., it's the same sound, but hmm. 12 o'clock, it's lunchtime. Hmm. Noticing if you find yourself rushing to the queue. Or holding back so as you don't look like you're rushing in case someone notices. It's interesting just to watch the dance we do. Not judging, but seeing can I watch, can I be interested. Taking food for the nourishment of this body. How wonderful that it's offered, cooked with care and skill for our nourishment, our well-being. Not taking for granted the incredible blessing that we have food, even if it's just for these days, that it's so bountiful. And in the eating, you know, often we look forward to the mealtime so much, like highlight of the, uh, of the day, of the retreat. And yet when we get there, we maybe taste the first couple of mouthfuls, And then we start thinking about something else. See what it's like to really be there. I sometimes make a practice. I'm left-handed. I make a practice of sitting on my left hand when I'm eating. Because this thing can do it quickly, automatically. It doesn't need any presence at all. But my right hand, it's a little bit more clumsy, a little clunky. I've got to pay attention or I might put put it somewhere it wasn't supposed to go. And it's just a little help for mindfulness, for presence, just to... Do it in a non-habitual way. Occasionally, I'll even just put it, put the fork in the other way around, instead of coming at the top of my, the bottom, the top, or just something like that. And just say, "What's it like to eat my meal like this?" It's a bit awkward, but I stay really present. Get just as nourished. Takes a little longer. There's plenty of time. Likewise, standing in the queue, before or after, are we waiting to wash my dish? I so like washing my dish. I can't wait to get to the front of that queue. Or is it just I have some sense there's something else I'm supposed to be doing with my life right now? Because there isn't. And as we enter the hall and leave, being aware that people are, as we all settle, some maybe have begun their meditation already. Others are continuing beyond the time of the formal sitting. So really sensitive and aware of that as we move through the hall, through the day. Making all of it not just a practice, but an expression of reverence for our life and honoring of something miraculous that's happening right now and always. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash
donate.